Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Thought I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash Time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abibitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They broadcast out of Ghana and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In the TuneIn radio app, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com again that's time for an awakening at gmail.com time for an awakening also has a fan page on facebook in the facebook search engine just type in time for an awakening radio program there you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or brother richard and do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And time for an awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on time for an awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday evening. Summer Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and joint leader of the Encroba Philadelphia chapter, Brother Rashawn Williams, is with us. Looking forward to the conversation with Brother Rashawn to get his insights and perspectives and moves to obtain full repair for our people, planned initiatives for the local chapter, and his shared vision for Encroba Philadelphia. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies.
everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening 
at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's uh, <clears throat> 7.13 in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellis. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. What about yourself? Everything's good. And I know you're in your element. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's going to be back up back up in the 90s, uh, yeah, starting, not I think, on Tuesday. It's, it's, it's not that bad. Um, you know, as long as the humidity stays down in general. But, yeah, I, I, as always, I love the heat over the cold, you know, uh, keep the blood circulating. But I, I definitely am um, looking forward to our, you know, dialogue, discussion, and development with um, Brother Rashawn. Um, and I, I hope Sister um, Bria um, is able to um, input also. But in, in order to get to see, because you know, reparations now, Elliot is a is a is it said it's the mo- the movement is in motion for this generation, um, um, and it's just interesting to to, to watch it as how it has unfolded. In a lot of different dimensions. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad to have Brother Rashawn with us. It'll be an interesting conversation with him. Activist, organizer, and joint leader of Encobra Philadelphia chapter. Brother Rashawn Williams joins us in conversation. Brother Rashawn, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well, hi, everybody. Peace and love. All yeah. right, another, another day. Got stuff to do. Still doing it. Still getting it done. Okay, sir. Listen, Brother Sean, before we talk about a lot of things, uh, uh, some of the things happen nationally and locally around the reparations movement and in COBRA, let, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Okay. Talk about uh, me. What about me? What y'all want to know? What the people need to know? Uh, you, you, you're a younger brother. Uh, under 30, put it that way. Mm. And you're actively involved in a movement that's going to affect millions of lives. I want to hear it from your perspective because I, I was talking with Richard in private conversation about himself and him involved with another sister that started the Encobra chapter in this city of maybe close to 30 years ago. And he was a little bit older than you, Rashawn, maybe 10 years older than you. But I was asking him, you know, as an activist, why did he start the chapter? What got him to get in movement, to get involved? And Richard talked about it from his perspective. But I want to talk to you, a man that's under 30, what really got you up and moving and involved in this movement? I've been uh, an environmental ecologist since 2009. And my environmental and ecological studies brought me to indigenous people's practices, spirituality. And it gave me a greater respect for myself 
as an indigenous ancient and original person. Of course, after you get the knowledge itself, and you learn how old you are, um, I began to really, really understand that all we really need to do is honor Black people all over the world and the things that they've been doing since the beginning of time in order for us to save ourselves in the world. And the more we remove ourselves from that, the more of a disservice we're doing to ourselves. And so over time, in my environmental ecological work and in my social entrepreneurship work and all those different things, I realized how much blackness was tokenized as opposed to uh, highlighted, uplifted, elevated, and prioritized uh, autonomously. And I just began to focus more on what I knew to be true versus what socially made folks comfortable in the uh, social entrepreneurship spaces that I was in and the environmental ecological spaces that I was in. Uh, the more you study, the more you find out what you need for yourself and your peoplehood, and it became one of those things that was too loud to not hear, um, too harmonious to not sing along to also. And so I began to do some events in the community along with myself being a DJ. In 2009, I think that's also important to say as well because there's a cultural nuance that I'm able to walk with in the work. And here we are. Here we are, I became a member of in Cobra in 2020 after doing a lot of work around restorative justice, uh, trauma-informed care, education program directing and teaching and after-school programs, summer camps and high schools in Philadelphia. And then became co-chair of the Philadelphia chapter of Cobra. Uh, in the fall, winter, of uh, 2020. Uh, Brother Rashawn, um, don't you mention that you you were a, you are a DJ and you involved in the community in, in a lot of different ways. And in your opinion, is it, you know, listen, it's a challenge for uh, people over 40 or 50 to get people active. It's it's a challenge sometimes because some of our people, percentage of our people, have a tendency to just sit back and watch, almost like it's a tennis match, just just to see what happens. Uh, is there any special challenges to getting a younger generation involved? Do you think it's easier uh, because you kind of involved with them in in a different way? Just look at it from an organizer standpoint. Is there any special things that you need to focus in on it that's trying to attract the ear of a younger audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very hard. Um, 
most young people uh this this work has just continued to fail and so there's a lot of apathy i would say um or not garner the kind of fruit that young people would like to see in order for them to give their lives with sweat equity to it um, i also think most young people just want to have fun i think that uh, there's a lot of success on the part of the enemy if you will to zombify people to make us excuse my french but just make us want to have sex and smoke more and not that marijuana or cannabis is a bad thing but it's recreational use in a lower vibration doesn't necessarily elevate us um to just drink to just celebrate being celebrated on social media to just make a couple of tweets and be academically reinforced in your social media statuses about social justice issues versus human rights and civil rights issues i think that there's a network and a nexus of folks that are working against our people and our peoplehood in that way utilizing social media utilizing the mainstreaming of people being popular figures in politics it being a popularity contest versus uh, what can you actually do for the people contest um i think these are all the things that young people face um today before they can even have enough cognitive ability to navigate a fully fledged um, social justice or civil rights organization in the way that we used to, in the way that our ancestors used to, in the way that the Panthers used to, in the way that the Smith used to, that all of our young warriors used to, completely different time, day and age. And they need to convince young folks to care about their present and their future beyond how they've been made to think that they should do it and what they've been made to think that they should do it it ain't easy getting people to go to a party ain't easy but i think most people will probably go to a social party than a political one Richard, um, jump in here because I'm, I'm, I was, uh, you know, asking Rashawn some things about why he got active and his, any special challenges dealing with uh, with young people. Um, you mentioned to me, you know, why you got involved. And if you look at it from the time that you got involved and comparing it to what Brother Rashawn just said, is it all basically very similar? The challenges, I mean, they didn't have social media to the degree they have now. But the same challenges, like Brother Rashawn was saying, you know, people just want to have fun. They just want to have social activities, whether it's drink, smoke, whatever. Uh, Talk about it from your perspective, matching it up to what Brother Rashawn is saying. And and when you asked me, I was, you know, me, my memory. So, you know, place me in the 30s, in the 90s and place me around 
um, 35. <clears throat> and so what I would say, you know, to the question and, 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 and I would understand with brother Rashawn, his observation is that, um, the generation, you know, we're talking about a different generation and a generational time. Um, I think that there was a move, a, a different movement um, in the nine eight in the 80s, 90s, than say in the 2000s. You know, uh, definitely in 2020. Not only we have a different generation, it's a different generational political, um, cultural moment, and I think that that has to be factored in. So when um, you know, I come out of you know the period I come out as even out of the '60s. So, um, uh, you know, the mindset and even dealing with why uh, we were um, institutional building or becoming getting becoming a part, developing our leadership um, by becoming part of organizations um, at that point was different than my, I perceive that the leadership that is um, becoming a part of, or, or the population in general, the generation. And again, I'm trying to focus my response to say it's a generational difference because of the, there is a, a different political um, moment um, amongst um, black folks in general, Philadelphia specifically. Um, So I want to, you know, stop there and hopefully that to your question, that's what it was because then it was the nationalist uh, momentum from the self-organizing momentum had a larger population than maybe this generation had. That's that's a that's a uninformed observational opinion um, that that makes a great difference between then and now. Okay. <clears throat> Brother Sean, the um the things going on nationally <clears throat> around reparations. Uh you sent some information around to uh to chapter members here about uh legislation that's being pushed from the grassroots in several different states. I think uh, roughly sure. about 10 or 11, maybe more different states. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's coming from the bottom up, not the top down. Eh. Talk about, talk eh. about it from, talk about it from your perspective though. Talk about it. That's why, that's why I got you on. Talk about it from your perspective. What's going on before we, so like, start, before we start focusing locally. Because there's a lot of things that you had planned to do and things that are, you're doing now. But before we kind of shift our focus to local, talk about it from your perspective and what you see going on nationally. A little quick breakdown. Most of what we see coming from a, a national perspective or across the nation are very much grassroots organizations and individuals who are responsible for much of the lobbying and presenting the cases that municipalities and states cannot ignore. Okay. It is when those municipalities and states take it upon themselves to elect and appoint individuals to be a part of task forces where we need to make sure that the integrity of the work 
is remaining uh, to provide reparations or imperatory justice in the ways that we would understand it. But there are some things that are evolving with us and our understanding of people and peoplehood and reparations redress at a hyper-local level and an international level. So one of the things that I want to talk about is the differences between folks who are Pan-African and folks who are not necessarily Pan-African. And so an example that I'll give is the Juneteenth flag. Juneteenth is a flag that is red, white, and blue. Uh, the Texas flag in the center with a star kind of bordering the center star. Um, and you'll have a lot of reparationists that are not Pan-African call to light some of the issues around there being a red, black, and green flag to represent Juneteenth. Now, why am I explaining that? I'm explaining that because most of the reparations work has been uplifted by Pan-Africans who follow the red, black, and green, who understand peoplehood and identify with peoplehood in an African consciousness or comedic context where most, most of the fighting that has been done to raise, uh, to bring the, the word reparations into light has come from Pan-Africans, but there's a difference in our fundamental thinking and in, in, in many of the generation's fundamental thinking and basis for reparations as a priority. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because some of those differences are uh, a lot of reparationists today aren't necessarily focused on nationhood. They aren't necessarily focused on um, succession from the United States as a government entity. They aren't necessarily focused on self-determination in the ways that our Pan-African ancestors were. Uh, where I do agree that we do need to have a serious focus on the ethnicity of being American in the idea and the fact and circumstance that we are on American soil. There are some things that I disagree with, which are not necessarily succeeding or being self-determined or speaking directly to sovereignty. Um, and I'm saying that because while many of the grassroots organizations are largely responsible for reparations becoming um, municipally uh, uh, legislated, um, and legislated at the state level, there are some things that have been lost throughout time in regard to what reparations can and should provide. And there has been a lot of intellectualizing and academic reforming around what I believe, in my opinion, around what reparations should look like and can and could look like for Black Americans and Black Americans in the United States. I hope that provided a, uh, an understanding of the reparations landscape from yesterday to today. Richard, I would, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you know, uh, Brother Rasai, I am, uh, you're, uh, for me, you've characterized it correctly. And I'm, I'm a, um, something that you um, shared with us you know, as from the local chapter that I won, as it relates to peoplehood and, but, um, and then, you know, a question to follow up. Um, you, you're, you're, 
it says peoplehood is defined by a people's succession, sovereignty, and self-determination. Peoplehood is subordinated by the rights to preserve land, language, culture, religion, heritage, um, and mitigate as rights entitled by birth independent of human-made laws or custom. These rights include, but not limited to, the agency of an indigenous rights, birth rights, natural rights, natural law, positive law, legal rights, just uh, just Seguinian rights, just uh, solely rights, blood quantum laws, rights of abode, rights of return, unalienable rights, and I think that's auto, auto, I can't say that word, autocentene. These rights are bestowed by a people creator, forfeited by their government and forfeited by their choice or the violation of others' laws or their, uh, or their lands or territories. My, with, with that definition in mind, and I notice you always raise the point of peoplehood, are you saying as a local leader of the Encober chapter, and I have to ask it as two questions, are you um, by birth a Philadelphian? And are you, that's the first question, and are you um, as the leader, co-leader, of Encobra positioning the um, demand for repair or reparations from the perspective of peoplehood that was defined as it relates to Philadelphia. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, so it's sad because I'm not a Philadelphian. If I was born in Philadelphia County, but Philadelphia means incest. I and I I'm not incestuous in that at all, and it's that deep. It is that deep for me to have to break it down like that, because William Penn named this city based on the rulership of a Greek tyrant who was one of the rulers of Egypt who married his sister, and so the name brotherly love means a brother who loves his family. And I just, you know, there's certain things you just got to shake and bake away from, um, no matter how much we've evolved. I ain't, I ain't evolving that much. But I'm saying that to say that I'm an indigenous sense. Philadelphia was called Kowakwanak. And all of this is important because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about repair, restore, restoring ourselves to our ancient selves. And so that's not my ancient self. I'm not a Roman. I'm not a Greek. Um, that being said, it would be regional first because ethnicity, culture, heritage have all been defined for me in Philadelphia County. The music that I listen to, the club music, the party music that I listen to, the artists, um, the musical artists, the visual artists, the language that I use, bull, drawn, drawn, out of pocket in my bag, um, the all of these things have defined me, have given me identity, have given me um, 
orientation in my own concentric circles socially. And so reparations in that sense would have to exist for me hyperlocally first and for many of us first. Then if we are able to have solidarity and unity among each other, then we can look at state lines and why that's important is because our unity, at least consciously, at a hyper-local level allows us to understand how we would have agreements to do business, do trade, um, and potentially even commerce with folks outside of our hyper-local region, so folks in New Jersey or folks in Chester, and hopefully the same happens with them. Those folks who have those cultural nuances that have those elements of heritage that are unique to them and where they are from, if they can find some agreement and universal consciousness in what it is that they need for their ecosystem supply, then when we're having conversation on how our distribution of this good can be exchanged for whatever good or service that they may have for the benefit of all of our people here, um, it can then come after we've had that hyper-local unity. Um, and I think you asked another question. I don't know if I answered them both at the same time, but. Are, are you, as peoplehood, are you looking at peoplehood based off of the different definition that was defined? Oh, right, there you go. And then, certainly, yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, like I said, like, you know, something as simple as, well, we don't really know anything about how Native American and indigenous reservations and tribes work or function. And I say we as in most people don't. I'm, I'm, I'm a student and participant. So I know, but most folks don't. And so with most folks not knowing that, we don't necessarily see ourselves being able to have autonomy, have freedom, have our own uh, instruments of trade be utilized while still navigating U.S. systems. However, it is paramount that our schools hire our teachers. Uh, our schools and our communities where all of the students are Black, it should be all Black teachers. That shouldn't even be a question, concern. There's nothing to comment about. There's nothing to talk about. That should just be what it is. And in those schools, a series of different African and indigenous languages should be taught in those schools. A series of different understandings and parallel histories, because you have the United States version of America, you have Spanish, Spain version of America, you have French, uh, the French's version of America, you have the Dutch's version of America, you have indigenous people's version of America, then you have the Mali Empire's version of America, you know, all these different versions of America that aren't taught. We need to understand the history of America based on our history, our story, not history, but our story and our heritage. Um, we need to know how to navigate the differences using trade um, currencies. So if I were to go to a different country, I give my US dollars for whatever that's, that's going to be. We need to develop that within ourselves and have that managed by ourselves. There's so many different elements to reparations and reparatory justice that need to be provided to us in order for us to have peoplehood that I'm 
sent for. And I don't have any excuse or reason why that should be happening or that would be hard to happen. For me, with the level of consciousness that I navigate the world in on a regular basis, it's more hard to be a regular everyday citizen than it is to just live life in accordance to my indigenous nature. Um, so reparations need to account for all of that. And the last thing that I'll say to that is that it can be provided to people in three different levels. There's folks that want to completely return to their ancient self. There are folks that are pretty cool with what's going on in a modern day society. And then there are folks that want to continue with modern day society as it is and as it's going. Um, I don't think that any person that is black in America that is a, the redress group in due of reparations uh, should or should not participate based on their belief in any of those three. If folks really love what's going on in the Western world and Eurocentric principles and ideologies, then they should still receive the redress due to them if they so choose to. Um, if folks are like, hey, look, you talking that black, you talking that real ancient, yeah, I mean, that's cool, but it ain't, it ain't that deep for me. I just want to make sure my family can eat good and healthy. My children can go to school. I don't care if they go to school, white people aren't. Yeah, I'm cool with that. They should receive reparations and redress as well. However, this option should still be available for folks who truly seek to restore themselves to the spirit of who they've been um, for thousands, if not millions of years, um, before, uh, for thousands of years before colonization. And if I can, Elliot, I mean, it's a, you know, and Brother Rasan, I, I, I appreciate your response and, and I'm, I'm in alignment, um, you know, whether, whether it was um, as you being a now active leader within the Cope and Cobra organization or just in principle. Um, and Elliot, I just wanted to, you know, continue, if you don't mind, to kind of flush out with Brother Rasan because um, what he's saying Certainly. raises some fundamental um Organ, organizing and organizational questions that I hear uh, around this reparation. And one thing I wanted to be clear on, I'm looking at um, um, Dr. Henderson, um, you know, um, um, Earl Henderson's um, definition about revolution. Um, and first, and I want to make it clear in, in, our, in our exchange, um, Brother Rashawn, um, what I hear you're saying and why I'm in agreement with it. Um, and then I'll ask my question to that. And, and, and his, you know, he did a presentation around, and, and, he, and in his book, you know, um, The Revolution Will Not Be Theorized, it's the definition is the over, of revolution is to overthrow the governing system with the aim of establishing a substantial different one. And then he's, he mentions there is three um, main types political revolution, economic revolution, and social revolution. And because you are a, uh, I'm gonna call it, you, you said you're, uh, I'm gonna call it vocation, if, if not your, your occupation as a DJ, um, I would place that in the context of the social revolution. And then in social revolution, he has, there's a demographic revolution um, where changes is the composition of a society that revises concepts uh, of the identity of the society, immigration, urbanization, and youth cultures. But the thing that I wanted to 
to focus on and get your response to as it relates to organizing in, um, as you say, Philadelphia County and um, those of us of indigenous um, to this area. And, and these words we have to be careful with, or at least I have to be careful with, um, the, the point he makes about cultural revolution. And he says, entails the overthrow of one cultural system and its replacement with another. So my question, as we deal with um, uh, reparations and repair, and you being a cultural agent, um, would you agree that um, from your organizing perspective, that in order to deal with peoplehood, in order to um, bring into being um, in the now amongst your, the generation that you have more familiarity and clear, and it is an intergenerational, but the one you're 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 um, of that we're in that you're engaged in primarily a revolution. Is it unfair to say that the part of the repair is dealing with a cultural revolution, which entails the overthrow of one cultural system and its replacement with another? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's. That's one of the hardest things about the generation. Um, they think that a lot of this stuff that they think a lot of the stuff that's happening culturally is Florida, and it's not. It's actually the antithesis of who we are. Right? They really do. Um, sheesh! Like I'm gonna take it there. I don't care who hurt by it, but I'm gonna just take it there. Like feminism, womanism, for example. That's really white people all the way up and down like you're not really going to find in our ancient systems practices traditions beliefs rituals any of that laws governing bodies peripheral like a hatred for women like you're not you're not going to find it among melanated people you're just not but in europe in greece and rome like uh you know that's what they got into. That's just what it was. Like, you know, the island of Lesbos. I say, I, I remind people of this. The word lesbian comes from how the Greeks would kick women off of the island, kick women out of Greece and have them live on the island of Lesbos and would raid against them in order to have children and do all types of wicked, wild stuff for them. Even their god, their primary god, Zeus, would come down on Earth in the in the form of all different types of animals and and a great pe- like it's just like the entire culture that we've been adopting elements of the culture that we have been adopting socially in our in our entertainment, in our arts, in our media, in our conversations in our academia, we have no idea how much of it is Greek-based and how much of it is Roman-based. But we don't know how much Greek and Roman culture is actually the antithesis of African culture if we want to study what it is to be African people and how even the battle, the battles in Carthage between Hannibal and the Romans, what that means and what the implications of that are of the Punic Wars today, um, what elements of culture we just, our ancestors wrote about never accepting and never adopting because of how much they go against our ability to have not just holistic families, but our relationship to nature, our relationship to, uh, to animals, our relationship 
the astrology to the stars to um, astrological medicines and medical practices uh, to the sea, to, to marine life, to understanding how to navigate the sea. Uh, there's so many things that we have culturally adopted. And the reason why I brought that up is because a lot of folks, the, the women, the feminism part and the womanism part is because uh, I'm learning and seeing and realizing that while we are having some breakthroughs, understanding the differences between, um, while we're having, not differences, but while we're having some breakthroughs, understanding the nuance of identity as modern society would make sure that we need to have in order for us to be more progressive, the elements that we're basing a lot of our principles and practices are, are not rooted in who we are. They're coming from um, an academic pool of people who would seek for us not to return to that. Um, so while there's some elements of our social progressions that are true, there's some elements of it that are completely removing, our, removing us from our power source as ancient, original, the oldest, melanated people on the planet. Uh, so this culture work is just as hard. You know, I think it's the hardest work. Mm. And as you can see, I'm really not scared. Like, I'm not afraid to say anything about anything when it comes to what it is, because it is what it is. And, and, certainly. Uh, yes, and it, and it's and it and that um, hopefully you know, Elliot, um, Brother Rasan, um, by you not being afraid, um, as you say, and it's and it's and I'm not. I, I understand the context of your response, you know, your projection about not being afraid because what you're, what you're manifesting is, um, in my opinion, the kind of leadership, um, expression that we would need in all areas of our, our, our organizational and our, um, services as it relates to, and this goes to, and I'll, I'll, stop for now um to the question because you raised this and this in this moment i hear um this you know as we dealt with culture and and identity i hear a discussion especially as it relates to those who are representatives of encobra this question around and you touched on it earlier in relationship to and you and, uh, and i'm like that you gave it in my mind three buckets because that's how i identify it in other contexts you gave um, that there there is a question about identity. So I'm, I'm what I'm asking in relationship to that because some people um, don't see themselves as African. Um, some people see themselves as American. Some people see themselves as indigenous. So from the perspective of Encobra and dealing with reparations as a local leader. How do you um, see navigating from an organizing perspective these various identities that people and and as you said earlier are have a right to self-identify? First of all, I mean we on air. I don't want to offend nobody, so I ain't gonna say what I say we are. But we Fourteenth Amendment Negro citizens. That's what we are. Uh, on paper, at it, we are wards of the state. Technically speaking, they freed some folks. They had to create the Fourteenth Amendment because they didn't have state citizenship to protect us. We didn't have state constitutional rights. 
So the corporate entity that was formed in the Union's victory created the 14th Amendment to provide citizenship, corporate citizenship, to not just the Negro, but all peoples and their businesses. So businesses also would be 14th Amendment citizens, which is quite interesting because businesses operate as persons. So that being said, that's the first thing. The second is you are whoever you want to be, especially today. Um, at an ancient level, we didn't operate like that, but today you are whoever you want to be. So that's the second thing. The third thing is what do you want? That's the most important thing. What you want defines more of who you are than what more than what you say. And so I can have conversations with folks about them identifying as being African. I can have conversations with folks with them identifying as being American or them identifying as being indigenous or them identifying as being whatever they want to identify as. My question is always going to be, all right, cool. What is it that you want? Are you trying to eat natural, fresh, organic produce that's been grown by people who share your same ethnicity, maybe not ethnicity by name, but ethnicity by the circumstance of them being Black in America? Are you interested in learning the truth about Indigenous people and about African people and about Europeans and about Malaysians and about so on and so forth? Are you interested in your own forms of telecommunication, internet fidelity, public media, broadcasting services? Right, what what is it that you want? Um, I think you know some of what I was talking about when it comes to um, issues of uh, sexual orientation and identity. That's being highlighted as an issue of the social fabric in our environment, as opposed to healthy food and healthy eating, as opposed to children actually being able to learn. The enemy has a great is doing a great job of making certain things issues that we really weren't even thinking about until they made us think about them. Um, and so even the delineation between folks that want to identify with all of these different things, like, all right, all right, cool. After y'all settle that, after you settle that, you're going to be hungry. I'm sure you're going to say, all right, cool. Let's get something to eat. Where are you going to go? You're probably going to go to wherever the food is popping. That could be a Jamaican store. That could be a food, but hopefully it's your people. So beyond the name, beyond what you want to name it, hopefully it's your people and you're defining your people based on the spiritual root of what it is you want for yourself, your family and kin, and the neighbors and community members that you share space and environment with. I hope I made sense. Made sense to me. Uh, and And it's a part of a continuous conversation that as a point of clarity, in order to become unified and that'll come to and, and we'll further the discussion or from my point um because uh, you know it gets into from the local part another part you bring up about the work but uh you know elliot i'll you know if you don't mind i'll just fall back and and I, hopefully i didn't take up too much time but i think no, I thought because, it was to clarify yeah because the conversation gonna go in a lot of different directions in fact um <laughs> Brother Rashawn took it in a, a brief, uh, 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 not all course, but he, 
he turned the wheel in a different direction a minute ago when he talked about the this hostility between uh and, and and I I don't really care what's going on in the other communities, but I'm focusing on our communities. This hostility that's between uh, men and women that's that's basically uh, put out there in the media. Um, it, this goes back, brother Rashawn, as far as I'm concerned, to the uh, the need for repair and reparations, because just as you stated, this hostility that's that's highlighted between black men and black women is not cultural to us. This has happened since we've been here in these United States or in our enslavement. This is something that was put on our people through circumstances that caused these divisions, these hostilities. This is not something that we brought here as a people. Other people brought that here as a people. But we didn't bring that here. That was something that was put on us. So that just reinforces the need for our people to be repaired. And plus, when we have these conversations, and I'm talking about people that kind of talk about these things on the surface, they really need to really do some background checking, some critical analysis, because they'll be able to talk about these particular subjects and that subject that you raised, Brother Rashawn, on a different level. You can't just talk about these things like you might see on a television show or something like that and people arguing back and forth about uh, you did this to me and, and, and I don't want to date no black men. I would rather date white men because black men do this, that, they lay, you know, whatever. The, the foolish uh, dialogue sometimes. And I, I might label it foolish. Some people might not. But, you know, if, if we don't have a critical analysis of what's going on and, and, and approach this thing from a cultural perspective, then we kind of lost in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly are. And in reference to that, you uh, penned an article a couple of weeks ago uh, on uh, Juneteenth. And it was on, it's on Mm -hmm. the Cobra Philly website for people that is not familiar uh, in Cobra uh, PHL.org. And it's entitled Juneteenth Charades and Parades. And it kind of goes to what I'm talking about, about looking at these things with a critical analysis. Now, if you look at it from a European perspective, it's just another holiday that they want black folks to celebrate and they'll try to capitalize on it. And some of our people fall into that bag because they're looking to kind of relieve themselves from the pressures of living here and kick up their heels and eat barbecue and and some of them eat pork or whatever and celebrate. But they really need to do a critical analysis of the celebration itself and what it really meant to our ancestors. Uh, It means something a lot different than what the media is portraying it as. But give us your perspective, because you wrote an interesting article, Brother Sean, give us your perspective on and what some of the things that you mentioned in the article. First of all, you know, um, let, me, let me just actually make sure. Um, yeah, I want to say that, first of all, um, slavery isn't mentioned in the Constitution until we talk about abolishing it. So, um, 
in the same sentence that we say that it's abolished, we say that it's also okay if a person committed a crime. But then we created crimes uh, to criminalize black folks. Um, so I, I really, I really go as far to say that you know, the 13th Amendment constituted slavery when it wasn't even talked about in the Constitution. I think that's a, that's a paradox that people got like really sit with the saying the first thing. But the reason why I'm bringing up the 13th Amendment is because Juneteenth is supposed to be a celebration of the abolition of slavery, which is like psychologically damaging because slavery is not abolished. Like, yeah. And so to that point, it's also important to know that the word Juneteenth exists because no one knows the actual day that folks found out within the teens of June that they were quote unquote free. Um, no one knows the actual day, so they just say it was in the teens of June, so we just gonna say Juneteenth. Um, where to some, it's the celebration of our ability to be self-determined. Um, for me, special order number 15, the Freedmen's Bureau Act was supposed to give housing, legal protections, military courts, schools, um, acres of land, supposed to have our banks secured, we were supposed to have had security around our instruments of trade. All of those things destroyed, taken away, and revoked. So the reason why I say, the reason why I said that if we're continuing to celebrate Juneteenth without knowledge of what it is to be a 14th Amendment ward of the federal government, what it is to be a uh, a 13th Amendment slave, because that's basically what it is, we're not really, it, our, our, our parades are really charades in that we're celebrating our inability to actually be free. We're accepting it, we're settling into that without really diving deeper into what emancipation truly means, to truly be emancipated. Um, I do my best to respect how people feel with respect to the truth and with respect to what gets into gets in the way of my self-determination. If it gets in the way of my self-determination, I, I, I will disrespect it. I don't have a problem saying that. I will disrespect anything that gets in the way of my self-determination um, because it doesn't deserve my respect. But if that's just what folks are doing on their side of the world, you know, how you keep your grass cut on your side of the lawn, I mean, defense versus mine, cool, do what you want. Um, I say that to say that I don't have any negative or ill or ill, um, well, actually I do, because I, I just, I just don't think we're done. I have a lot of negative and ill feelings about Juneteenth, because I just, I don't think that we're done at all. Um, but what I'll do is like, let's say I got a DJ, a Juneteenth event or holiday, I'm gonna slap you with some Bob Marley. I'm gonna put some Fela Kunti in the mix. <laughs> like you might be expecting some some more celebratory turn up, non-activist based music, 
but I'm gonna make sure that you dancing while getting some messages from from a couple from 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 our folks from our ancestors. Uh, yeah, I hope I answered the question. <laughs> no, you, listen, you did. Um, <laughs> we gonna take a brief break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion. Uh, you can get involved too if you uh, got a question or comment for our guest by down two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Brother Fachon, before we leave, let me, because it's, it, listen, it's always good to kind of reinforce critical thinking and how we need to look at these things. Um, you know, some of our people looked at Juneteenth as far as freedom, our ancestors being free, or the word getting to our brothers and sisters in Texas when that wasn't really the case because Texas was still controlled by the Confederates. But in that special order, because Europeans always had slick language, just like you stated, uh, the word slavery is not mentioned until the Emancipation Proclamation. It's not mentioned in the original documents in the forming of this country. They didn't use that term. But in that special order, let me read just a paragraph. Me and Richard discussed this on the program, but just for the sake of conversation, and we're talking to you this evening. That special order that that uh, general or whatever went down there and told our ancestors, let me read this couple of lines. Uh, it says here, uh, this involves the absolute uh, equality of personal right and the right of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore, heretofore existing between them. It becomes that between an employer and hired labor. So what they're saying is, or what he said in this document, that you are no longer your 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 white uh, former masters and slave relationship, but it's a employer and hired labor. That's still almost the same type of relationship. Because you're the not, exact, you're the not exact same relationship. Exactly. You, I mean, what, what kind of language is that? See, these white that's folks. Why they, that's could, why convict leasing came. That's why sharecropping grew the way that it did. It's important for us to know that convict leasing is what built the wealth of the state. It's like slavery really didn't kick off its economic mobility for whites until after the Civil War. And a lot of people <laughs> would argue against me, but I'm ready to battle anybody with any of this information. <laughs> because we see the wealth of states accumulate and the incarceration and the treatment in the record of it be so much more magnanimous after the Civil War with sharecropping, being an industry, with convict leasing and with black codes, coupled with Jim Crow and the Berlin Conference immediately after that. It's important to, for us to really dive deeper into the language that was used. Exactly. And the second thing is that a lot of folks don't want to say or speak to the fact that in the South, many whites were poor, were so poor that they also were slaves and indentured servants. A lot of folks don't want to speak to that either. And so why certain laws were specifically created to address Negroes as Blacks or to address Blacks in a lot of these, a lot of this language was because there was so little economic mobility for whites, both in the North and South, that the only way that they can protect themselves 
and to project themselves into financial fruition is by having some specific laws that focus on blacks, which really exploded with much more power after the Civil War. We see that in, in just the language of the law itself. You don't even gotta look any further other than the language of what you just read, which I appreciate you reading. <laughs> and and also keep this in mind, brothers and sisters, because a lot of our people talk about that 40 acres and a mule, which we never really got. Uh, when they were even that language of talking about 40 acres and a mule, they were already giving Europeans that was coming here that they were bringing over here by the boatloads 160 acres four times as much as they even proposed to give to black folks they were given whites from Europe 160 acres of land that they had stolen uh, uh, from murdered uh, Native Americans so let me jump in again on that Um, the Mummers Day Parade is a celebration of 1737 walking purchase for William Penn's son unlawfully and illegally underhanded the land from the Lenny Lenape and provided it to the Iroquois and the Susquehannock. Um, and I think it's, it's important for us to know why they wear blackface in the Mummers Day Parade in a series of parades and activities across the world because they're celebrating the expulsion of black people. And might I say that those sons and William Penn were Quakers and they came from Germany. And while they came from all different parts of Europe, they primarily came from Germany. And I'm saying this because I'm going to say it really boldly. I don't really see no difference between the folks who were responsible for the Berlin Conference and Quakers. I don't. I see Quakers really being upheld as supposed to be the folks that were so anti-slavery and responsible for helping Africans be freed in the Underground Railroad. But I look at the land rights that were taken away from indigenous people by their hands, and I just don't see how those are the same hands that apparently fed us when it took food from them. It just don't make sense to me. You got to know whose history, it's history. You got to know whose history we read and whose history we're being taught. And why we're being made to think and feel certain ways about certain things that just may actually be completely untrue. And mind you, people just got to show me otherwise. They got to show me otherwise in a series of different ways. Um, because we know the saying about the fork tongue and who speaks with it. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, you can get involved in the discussion too by dialing 215 490 9832. That's 215-490-9832. 32, we're in conversation with activist, organizer, and joint leader of Encobra Philadelphia chapter, Brother Rashawn Williams. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling 
hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumi.tv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you.
We have a message to the black man. Because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We're just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen. We're the singers and the dancers. And we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Today, Reverend, you can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we gotta be careful of. We gotta be careful of who we bow down to. You see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 820 on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and joint leader of Encobra Philadelphia Chapter, Brother Rashawn Williams is with us. Uh, we're talking with Brother Rashawn, getting his insights and perspectives on moves to obtain full repair for our people planned initiatives for the local chapter in his shared vision for in Cobra, Philadelphia. Again, you can get involved in the conversation with question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 
32. Brother Sean, mm-hmm. um, the, um, let me shift gears a little bit and, and, uh, well, wait a minute. A, a call jumped on here. Let me see if a caller got a question or comment. Uh, North Carolina caller, question or comment for our guest. Hey, brother, I'm just listening. I actually just popped in. So, um, I hadn't been able to get on in a while. So I just wanted to get in and, um, see how everything was going. I'll put you back on hold. Brother Sean, uh, <clears throat> I'm reading uh, some of the information that's been put out here locally in Philadelphia, and I'm going to share it with the listening audience. Um, the it says uh, in Cobra Philadelphia family, I would like to uh, I like to organize and host a monthly seminar that builds awareness and ag- advocacy around the topic of reparations at the Beckett Life Center. These reparations seminars provide repertory justice training, history courses, community development workshops that develop the community at large into ambassadors. Uh, I think that's highly important work, Brother Rashawn. Talk about the idea of you coming up with this to go straight to the community to develop ambassadors and this training around reparatory justice. Give us some insight on this as a brother. Listen, brother, my hat's off to you. If I had two hats, I'd raise them because Mm -hmm. to, to see this happening and Richard, you can, you can attest to this, to see this happening from a a man of Rashawn's age and out here rallying the community, getting involved, and I know he'll be successful because he's a man of a certain age and people are watching him. They're involved with him. If they're involved with him from a DJ level, they're still involved with him. Eventually the things he's doing is going to rub off on people of his generation. Before you answer and talk about what's going on in the plan activities at the Beckett Life Center, Brother Sean, Brother Richard, let me get your insight on, on, on this. You know, it's interesting because I wanted to um, also go there. Um, but let me say, you know, when I seen it um, to you, uh, Brother Rashawn, and, 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 and the sister that's um, co-chair. Um, Just Brianna. Sister Brianna. I am so, um, it, it, it pleases me because I hear so many people overlooking the organizing work because what you, at least for me, you recognize that this organizing is a practical activity and that it has to be centered with people. We can, we can theorize, we can, um, we can analyze, we can, we can pontificate um, all we want. But if we really are going to engage in both aspects, and earlier we mentioned about the cultural development aspect of reparation and repair, but the um, the, the truly political warfare that requires to deal with this reparations and repair, you have to do engage in developing the organizational, the developing, the giving the political education. So I was, I, I, cause I hear a lot. I hear a lot. And, and when I seen which that, that, that proposal and the request, 
And I seen that that was spot on and what has to be done. And um, Elliot and, and Brother Rashawn, you said it earlier, just because it's clear of what has to be done, don't make that work easy. And I think for the time for awakening audience, um, those who are in the area of, of Philadelphia County and those in, who are listening in the country, um, this is where we come in in relationship to being supportive because it isn't just a, a, a spectator sport. It requires all of us to be engaged, but it, it requires a plan. And that's what I see in what you presented. A, for me, a realistic plan in order to move to, and we'll talk about later, um, the other work that you see that is a part of the, and I just see this as the baseline of the other pieces that you laid out that's a part of the plan. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Brother Sean, uh, talk a little bit about the, the genesis of that. I, I know that... Um, oh, yeah, you, yeah. It was, you have a lot of... Um, <clears throat> I'm a street scholar. So, you know, like, I I left school. I felt the energy of school just taken away from me versus giving to me. Um, the reason why I say that is because I feel like you got a lot of folks that go through the, through the, um, what do they call it? They go through the treadmill, it's like a machine. They, Manufactured. They, they, I feel like a lot of leaders are being manufactured. And I feel like a lot of the information that leaders have for the public to know and engage is to make them comfortable with slavery. Yes. To make them comfortable with not having like Uber or Airbnb or the ways that our phones own all the data like airbnb largest you know uh luxury or what do i call it um it doesn't basically doesn't own any cars airbnb airbnb doesn't own any homes and uber and lyft don't own any cars um apple didn't create most of the apps that it uses but if somebody else did but they received the benefit of it all the ways that we're having these reparations conversations are the same. We're not having conversations about real land access. We're not having conversations about real home ownership. Um, and these folks aren't members of Encobra or aren't members of organizations that have been reparations and reparatory justice and restorative justice experts for decades. Yet they're the folks that are the for the front runners. Uh, of the conversation. I think that that's very dangerous to who we are and what it is we believe in and what we stand for as an organization and as a people. So that's one. The second is that um, people actually just also just need to know the truth. Like outside of the folks that are not giving them the truth, that are being positioned to be those speakers, uh, a lot of people just need to know the truth. They need to know international laws, they need to know about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and how any nation that is 
restricting its people from any of those sustainable development goals for their lives and livelihoods are performing actions of crimes against their humanity. They need to know about the United Nations decade on uh, people of African descent and how the United States had no campaign to make Black Americans aware that the United Nations had a campaign to make sure that they could reconnect and go to Ghana and have sponsored trips back to the motherland and be speakers and ambassadors before the United Nations. They need to know about CARICOM, the Caribbean, um, it's like the Caribbean United Nations um, and their works for reparations from, from England uh, and from Europe and from France and from Spain. They need to understand um, all of these different elements and nuances of not just international law, but natural laws and how positive laws, laws that have been asserted by the United States government and different states are only based on the fact that we've created municipalities where folks agree for that to be the law. But folks don't know that, for example, these are public roads and you don't need a driver's license because to have a license means that you're operating within company confines. And most of us aren't driving as employees of the state of Pennsylvania. But to the point that you mentioned about the contract between employers and their employees versus masters and their slaves, there's a little bit there's a little bit more nuance to the law, particularly civil law, when we're having these conversations, which is the reason why you would need a license as a United States citizen, but not as a national. And we need to have those conversations around what it would be like for us to be free people, to be self-determined people, what our contracts would be like, what our monies would be like, and what our um, uh, what they call that, instantly thought that at a particular time. When you exchange your monies from your currency to another currency, these are the types of conversations that we need to have. We need to be looking at how certain land needs to be annexed for certain groups of people the same way land is annexed for individuals who live on reservations. We need to understand what it would be like to have free distribution between ourselves all throughout the United States or all throughout the Americas and what it would be like to be tax-free and tariff-free trade with Brazil, with Cuba, with Puerto Rico, um, with Haiti, with Jamaica. We need to understand what it would be like for us to get necessary documentation from other states and other nations. The transatlantic slave trade was bringing African people into Haiti, into Jamaica, throughout Florida, largely in South Carolina, there is some correlation at a level of documented records that we need to be able to find to understand the relationship to all of our people. And then add that to the case for why we should be doing tax-free and tariff-free trade with one another. There's so many different things that we're not being taught. Um, and we, these are all of our rights. Everything that I'm saying is a right. Um, not only is it a right by birth, but you can find language in many different forms of United States commercial codes. You can find it in many different forms of just how the United States, so many books that will tell us, hey, look, these are your rights, but not only do you not know them if you don't speak them, but you alone don't have any, don't have any mobility in the uh, expression of your rights, which is the reason why you need your peers to do that. That's why one of the things I want to also add is that that's why they always say you need a jury of your peers 
in a courtroom. Um, bring all of your folk in the courtroom. Bring all of your folk into anything that you do because this is built on people. We are those people. And even you know, all of our founding documents say we the people. We just need to be those people. So the reason why these courses and these trainings and these seminars are necessary is because from people knowing these truths, we need to actively have folks be able to manage their own affairs. So we need to have folks be able to sit on a reparations task force and or a reparations commission and actually be able to administer and oversee elements of infrastructure, carpenters and contractors, housing and home ownership. We need environmentalists and folks who have military experience to provide disaster and emergency infrastructure reform. We need folks who are knowledgeable in ancient African and ancient indigenous American medical practices and spiritual practices to be responsible for our rites and passages and our heritage systems. We need a series of different trauma-informed care experts and educators to be our social service professionals. We need to have folks who know us because they are us work with us so that we can have our own healing come from us and before us. Um, permaculture experts need to be looking at our farming and agric agriculture system. Um, seed harvesting needs to be a part of the things that we do. It should, should never have been illegal for us to like capture rainwater in certain states and certain municipalities. That's like so against our natural, our birthrights and our natural rights that it, it, it's, it's almost hard to even argue with somebody who's as ridiculous as that. But we need all these different experts to sit on a reparations commission because this is the revitalization of our peoplehood. So another one of those goals to have these folks be able to sit on these commissions and actually be able to say, nah, I'm from Southwest. We don't do that. We don't like that. But we do like this and we do do this. We do got Africatown in Southwest. We do got the airport. Boom. This is how Southwest relationship needs to be built with Deep West Philly with Cobbs Creek. Cobbs Creek relationship. Now, we're not from uptown, so we don't do this. It's not like that. Things just don't work like that here. However, boom, this is what we can do. These are the experts that we can bring together to make sure that folks who live in these areas get what they get. Um, it is that deep. It's that deep. We're still tribal. How do I know we're still tribal? Because I'm, I know y'all two can attest to it, Richard and Elliot. Folks who beefing block by block. There was a block radius who's like, oh, I'm from 52nd. I'm not from 53rd. What I do on 52nd Street is different from 53rd Street. We tribal people. Certain things are just not going to be lost. But we do need elements of diplomacy and ambassadorship at larger levels and more hyper-local levels to match who we are and how we are. It is that deep. And I know that most folks who are in this reparation space aren't thinking that deeply and that nuanced about it. That's the purpose of us doing these, uh, these seminars. No, go ahead, Richard. Uh, yeah, I was, I wanted to um, build, I wanted you to build on that because, um, well, you, uh, 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 again, um, you know, I just respect the vision um that, that and, and the leadership that you're providing and 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 the 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 focus in understanding the culture 
that you come out of. And I, and I think it's important for um, each area, as hopefully, again, for the time for awakening audience and what you just enunciated, that we understand that this, you know, what was done here and the people and development of that kind of leadership or ma- uh, managers of our, our, our peoplehood um, will be different for those in Camden or Chester. I think that's important. So what you laid out um, as a, you know, from a point of repair, that's important. As I get to the work now, I've seen you and you raised the point about um, the Philadelphia Reparations Commission. I wanted you to expand um, what you see on that. Um, also, um, I see in the work you have the enforcement of the slavery disclosure and and reparation ordinance. What does that mean? And the other, and hopefully I'm not making the, you know, giving too many elements at one time. Good elements, it's cool. The elements (laughs) out there, the Freedmen Bureau and Office of Freedmen Affairs. So what now you, um, when Brother Elliot raised the question of what the workshop seminars are supposed to do, and you elaborated of how the people are supposed to be developed. And you mentioned so that they could be able to, the people, um, not people from other places um, being experts to manage these areas, but the people be prepared so that they come in. But these three areas, the Reparations Commission, the um, enforcement of the slavery disclosure and and reparations ordinance, and the Freedom Bureau and Office of Freedom's Affair, which is a part of this plan that you have, what are they and what, why is it important to those things to be a part of the work? Reparations Commission is, is we need to have folks actually sit at the helm of government to be able to look at the infrastructure that has been established for society to function and make sure that that infrastructure supports the redress of Black Americans. And so that is the significance of having a reparations commission. That reparations commission should oversee and uh, be responsible for superintending the enforcement of an existing bill in the city where the city businesses need to disclose their ties to slavery and then provide the city with a reparations financial plan those monies for that plan are stored in a depository for those reparations programs to then be developed. But there's not been any enforcement since the bill has been passed in 2005. So that that already exists in the city of Philadelphia, Philadelphia Slavery Disclosure Ordinance. That's number two. Number one is a reparations commission. Make sure we're good. Make sure we can look at all of the departments that run society in, in Philly, and we can sit on them, John, for ourselves. Second, enforce these laws that already exist, specifically the ones where businesses need to disclose their ties to slavery and then provide a reparations finance plan if they do have a tie to slavery. And then the third is, you know, they say honest Abe. That's funny. It's disrespectful. Look a little blood. Um, the Freedmen's Bureau Act where housing, all those different things that were afforded to black folks' land 
food, protection of the law, education, health care, employment contracts with private land ownership, uh, and the distribution, the fair and equitable distribution of land, um, equitable schools for our children, military courts, and banks were all supposed to be provided to black folks. And, you know, y'all know we ain't get that. And so, boom, just, uh, that's one of the promises that the United States made that they just need to live up to. That's really, none of these things are difficult, you know. Slavery disclosure law already exists. That's not difficult. The Freedmen's Bureau Act, that already existed. That's not difficult. There are at least 11 places in the United States where they have reparation task forces. That's not difficult. I ain't saying nothing that's crazy. It's not like I made nothing up in my, my laboratory and was like, oh. So this is what it is. This is what these things are. Um, and these are why they're relevant and necessary for peoplehood. Let, let me, so the, the, Richard, let me jump in and then I'll pass it back to you. You know, Brother Rashawn, and, and that points to the, you know, why, why I'm so, um, uh, elated, and I'll use that term, about what you're doing at the, uh, the Beckett Life Center is when you mentioned about the Slavery Disclosure Act that was put together by grassroots men and women, it, and I'll use an analogy and, of, of and Cobra. Exactly. And Cobra was yeah, exactly. Man, you can call it like, like it is. Now, I, I'll use the analogy of a football game. We move the ball all the way down the field. Then when it gets to the 10-yard line, you're supposed to take it home as a running back. You ain't supposed to get the ball and fumble or get stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. So when this ball was passed to black lawmakers who have been in the majority in the city of Philadelphia for a couple of decades – and nothing has happened since 2005. No enforcement, nothing. See, that, that goes to, that, that finger points directly at them. And it points at us too. And when I say us, I'm, t- I'm putting myself in that collective because I can't disassociate myself from my people is that we vote for these, we vote for these people. And then they turn around and don't do things to help the community. Now, I just threw that in there because, uh, you know, if you want to elaborate on it, good. If not, I want to get back no, to they, it. Go ahead. They need repair. They need repair, too. Just straight up. You know, they, they bought in. They got in. What they got? They, they got in. They bought in. They need repair, too. You know, that's what it is. Okay. I, 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 look at, I look at black folk that's in the Philadelphia legislative body as needing just as much work. As everybody community. So, yes, I agree. For them to not understand, for them to not, for them to be in law and not know based on ancestral principle that your duty is to your people first and the world second, because the world would make sure you are not a part of it. The world has done its best to make sure we are not a part of it. We are only in the world based on the strength of our people. And so you do for your people first. And if you were to receive any honor to represent the people in government, your job should be to make sure that the government can best represent your people. These United States 
governments do not represent our people. So it is incumbent upon our leadership to take our case beyond the United States, which has not been done. I don't think that there's any intellectual or cognitive orientation for them to do so. They have the right to, and they have the mobility to. They also have the people who voted for them to make sure that they are empowered in doing so. And since that hasn't happened, I just don't think that they have the knowledge, the spirit, or the insight to do so. And I think that that is a part of the reparations where I see them just as much as I, I see them being in the same category as I see the everyday black Philadelphian who's struggling with poverty and a series of other things that come from poverty. It is in the same category. I, I, I have, oh, this, this is, okay. Go ahead. That's me being polite. That's really just me being polite. I know it. <laughs> it's a little framework that you we're in our discussion so far that I hope everyone really understands because we're we started from the perspective of peoplehood, right? And and the, and the reality is, and you also we started from the perspective of the the reality of the the revolution, the cultural revolution that has to that is continuing, right? Um, you know that that it, that we're engaged in, and. Um, and you also raise the point in a in a metaphor of giving everyone the uh, the right for their um, positioning or identity, as long as that that doesn't impose they if they see their their grass on their side of the road, that's okay. But when they you know do the seeding on their side of the road, and then do the things that create deserts on right. our side of the road, there's a challenge. And, and, and so the con- contextual framework, which you were raising that uh, what I like, because um, in looking at what the, the context of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, it's on us, us within Philadelphia County, our responsibility to be indigenous to see ourselves as indigenous and i'll end with this because i don't see those people who represent the state representing peoplehood or the people right and so what i hear your leadership is raising is that we have to represent the people but we also have to build the people to be politically informed culturally centered so that they could be able to self-govern for themselves and not look to representative. Matter of fact, in this political machinery, and this is where I hear you always say, Elliot, that we will be sending the right kind of leaders, that they won't be leading leadership for the state more than for the people. Yeah, or, the, or, or the party. Right, right. And, and I'll just end with this, um, because um, another, when not only utilizing the framework of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, which raised the uh, peoplehood, but um, a Philadelphian, or at least one who was in Philadelphia, who is of a earlier generation, um, utilizing the international framework when they went, we charge genocide. Because what is occurring to the people and this, I just raised that 
for for you, um, Rashawn, what you already seem to know um, is the context. When we went to the UN and charged genocide, it laid out all the things that were being done. And those are the things that you're addressing um, by um, these seminars and by those those elements of work. Those uh, harm and primarily is for us to be able to be in a self-governing um, position. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nah, you ain't wrong. Nothing to correct. Nothing to correct. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, uh, we got two one fives on the line, been waiting. We'll bring that right back up after the break. And uh, we'll start uh, heading on down the home stretch. Uh, you can get involved in the conversation while we're still on the air by dialing 215-490-9832 with a question or comment for our guest, activist, organizer, and joint leader of Encobra Philadelphia chapter. Brother Rashawn Williams is with us. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com. Abibitumi.tv. Abibitumi.tv.com. Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A B I. B-I-T-U-M-I, the only word you need to know to join your global Commit to You black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, 
abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on this blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we, who knowing that the people will always be free, we, understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been, have been dedicating all our energies to only one task, 
the organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's nine o'clock straight up on Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening and we have our guest this evening with us, activist, organizer, and joint leader of Encobra Philadelphia Chapter, Brother Rashawn Williams, is here. Uh, in the time we have left, you can give us a call. Uh, any questions or comments about uh, Brother Rashawn's work and what the chapter is doing here and how he sees uh, the reparation struggle nationally? Uh, let's go straight back to the phones. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. 
uh, good evening, Brother Richard, and good evening, Brother Rashawn. How you doing, my good brother? Doing well, wow. How are uh, you? I'm doing fine. Our praises be to Allah. You know, Brother Rashad, I just want to start first by saying this. You know, uh, Brother Elliot, you, you made me think for a second when you was talking about uh, the contract compared to like a master slave or employee or whatever. You know, you made me think about that dumb with Ben Carson when he made the remark a couple of years ago that, that black people, he was talking about black people. You know, we was, we was in the midst of, of course, the one, one of the most brutal, inhumane treatments that 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 was done to Herman Benz, and this dumbwit was saying that you know black folks worked hard and and we was like we had like we were unionized like we had a unionized contract and we had workers' rights. I mean, you know, I just I just had to think. I just thought about that idiot when he said that when he made that comment. The brother Rashawn, y'all going back, y'all talking about that. But anyway, brother Rashawn, let me say this, brother. Uh, I I want to thank you for carrying on the. Uh, passing the torch, if you will, as a, as a 60-year-old black man, that'd be 61, inshallah, in another couple of weeks, I want to you know, thank you for passing the torch, because I first was acquainted with Encobra about maybe close to 25 years or so by by, by past leader, philosophy of Encobra, Brother Ryan Johnson. And, uh, you know, he enlightened me, because I met Brother Ryan Johnson through the late, great Brother Robert Gray, and that's how I was learned about Encobra and everything, and I joined and everything, and, uh, you know, went to a lot of the meetings and everything, and I support him even to this day, and I thank you, as Brother Ellen Richards said, for carrying on, passing on that torch, man, because uh, I, I like to see a young brother like yourself mm -hmm. doing what you're doing to enlighten our people, and, the, and, the, and like Brother mm -hmm. Elliot said, to take us across that finish line so to speak, like use the analogy in football because it has to be done because because prior to uh you know time from the wicked coming on coming on tonight, I'll listen to uh a a a, a, a radio, another radio station and stuff and on pub, public radio and they were saying about how here in Philadelphia you done had three and let's go back to what you said brother about about this black leadership not doing or incapable doing this but of a shot and they need some help themselves because they they just blatantly ignorant or just don't give a damn because you know had three black mayors in the city you know street good and uh, nutter and they done had access to no big contracts and, and and again i wasn't shocked when i heard it but it just when you hear these things just reinforces how we gotta stay on these black leaders to get things done these so-called black leaders to get things done when, when our freedom individuals was, was mayors black people you know yeah three black mayors during their tenure black people got less than two percent of no big contracts in the city of Philadelphia, you know, because you know you you wouldn't expect to get nothing when white mayors was like whether it be Kenny Rizzo or whatever like that. But at least you expect with black mayors you would get something. But it was it was just as bad or worse when they was in their tenure. And and all and all three of these individuals, as you know, did eight years. So well, like there was one term mayors, all all three of those did eight years, including the one that helped bomb the city and and, and our people died and stuff, men, women, and children. So you see how far we got to go and what we have to do to stay on these Negroes on the city, state, and federal level to do the right thing by us. You know what I mean? Because it's important, man. And playtime is always important, man, because, you know, we, we will we'll be a permanent underclass in this country if, if, it's, if it's not done. And that's why reparations, it means a lot. It means different things, but a Rashad to different people. You know, people might, some. I mean, some people might look at it just a check, but then other people that's more deeper, of course, they look at reparations repair, you know, land, which is important, you know, getting land and, and like you said, next and land need to be and next for our people. You know, we can grow our own food, build our own factories, have our own government. And, and I'm going to tell you, Brother Rashad, I like the idea of what you said earlier, and I think that's brilliant because I, you know, as a person, I got investments in Africa myself, not much, 
much, but I do have some ETFs that invest primarily in Nigeria, Kenya, places like that. And uh, I got some, uh, some small some small investments in China. But you, what you said, Brother Rashawn, was spot on because we need to have we need to continue to put pressure and, 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 and on our black leaders, especially on the federal level. We used to talk about having free, no tax, no tariffs with countries like Cuba, Brazil, countries like that. That that's brilliant because we need that. And, that, and, that, and like you said, Brother Rashawn, that could definitely be part of the reparations movement. That's that's all all, all that's on the table. You know, what I mean, it's not just a check, getting a check or whatever like that. It's about all those things is on the table. So I applaud you, Brother Rashawn, for coming up with that idea because I think it's brilliant. Because I always been felt I've been feeling like that myself for the last you know. I don't know how many years feeling that we didn't have black people right here in America didn't have international trade with our brothers and sisters in the Caribbean and, and Africa and places like that. So I, I so I definitely applaud you for that. And and, and brother Shannon, keep doing what you're doing, brother. May Allah bless you to help our people be successful and you stay strong, brother, and everything. And I'll and Ellie, I'll you know get off and I'll listen to the rest of the show, uh, brother Ellie Rich, and you can put me on mute. All right, thank you for your contributions, sir. Are, are you welcome? Brother Rashawn, before we hey, thank you, but, thank you very much. I mean, he said it. I appreciate it. I'm glad that folks are listening, receiving it. I welcome folks to come um, when we do have our sessions at the community center. And if it was up to me, I'd do it every week. I just do it every week. I don't know until we get what we until we get what we need. Um, but in the meantime. We just got it locked in for once a month. And I hope he and many folks come out and we can have these discussions and do some of this research and just get some of the work done. When is the target date, uh, Brother Rashawn, for it hasn't been nailed down yet? We're looking at the 30th from 1 to 3 o'clock. 30th of this month? The 30th of this month. Good. Okay. Yeah, well. I don't know if if there's any other callers. Uh, no, but we get ready to wind things down. Uh, before we do cool. that, um, I just want to let you know that, uh, because I don't know, I guess in the beginning, it'll probably be all ages in the different, in the classes or whatever, but, uh, I know it's going to get to the point where it's young people, you might have older folks and they might have to be separated, uh, you know, just for, uh, you know, knowledge purposes, being able to reach a younger audience. But, uh, Anything that you need, man, I'm I'm always there for you. I, I want to help. I know on Saturdays my business is open, but I can make arrangements if things is if it's necessary for me to be there to help out. Uh, maybe different subject matter that uh, you want me to help with. Anything that you need, man, I'm always there. Uh, um, at best, I need help making sure that you know, you can still participate or we can change some dates. Maybe we can have it in the barbershop, all different types of things. Like, <laughs> Great. Hey, it's no problem. We can do it. We can do that. I can make those arrangements, but we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do some crash courses in the shop. Brother Richard, anything, uh, and, and, and before we go to, uh, let, let me, I want you to, uh, kind of give out anything, uh, the, the links to social media, anything like that. But Richard, uh, anything before we start uh, closing it out? No, I, I, um, I, I um, it's accessibility to be able to do. Um, but we'll talk about. It. I, I, I want to bring something up to you, um, Brother Rashawn, um, in in another venue. 
looking at North Philadelphia Peace Park as another possible place. I'm with all that. Honestly, if folks set it up, you feel me? It ain't nothing for me to just do what I got to do. North Philly Peace Park, West Philly Peace Park, community centers, schools, organizations, affinity groups, religious circles. I'll be there. Gotcha. Brother Sean, uh, before we go, just give out any social media links, anything that you want to tell the folks about how to uh, uh, look at the different uh, articles that you've written. Go ahead. The floor is yours. org is the website. Folks can find me on social media at D-J-R-E-E-Z-E-Y and folks can email me at the letter R, as in Rashawn, W-I-L-L-R, Will, at ncobraphl.org. That's R, Will, at ncobraphl.org. That's how folks can be in touch with me outside of D-J-R-E-E-Z-E-Y on social media. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing folks so we can get it done. And and on a lighter note, Brother Rashawn, uh, where are you going to be at the next time so Richard can come out and uh, do the funky chicken? You know, you know what? I was just <laughs> When you see them. No, so we got two events. We have, a, we have and this is also important because we do, the, we do the cultural work too. So we have an event on the 16th called the All Love Block Party, and I'll be a DJ at that event. And then I have an event before then on that Friday, a pre-party, where um, I like to do a little disco funk old school for y'all. You know, if I see y'all, I definitely got something for y'all. And uh, folks can check out that information on blacksoulsummer.com. Uh, I advise folks to become a member of BlackSoulSummer.com because with your membership, which is a free membership, you get knowledge and insight to a series of different events that are being created uh, by black folks for us to elevate our culture and have some safe spaces for us to really celebrate who we are. Hello, Sean. Listen, I'm I'm happy to have you as uh the male co-chair of Philadelphia chapter of Encobra. Next time, hopefully, Sister Brianna will join us and uh, we can uh, get a double-brow discussion going on. Yeah, get the, yes, sir. Get the sister's perspective on a lot of things. But we'll talk yes, to you. Sir. We'll talk to you soon. Peace and love, everybody. All right. Richard, yes. interesting discussion, man. A lot of things that... Uh, Brother Rashawn's got on tap and is ready to do. I, I, you know, it's not just talk. Uh, would he, you know, I'll talk to him off the air because what, he, what they have done, with, what uh, him and Brianna has done with that website is fantastic, man. That 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 website is something else. Mm. And packed with information. You've been on there recently? Yeah, not recently, but yeah. Yes, uh, they they doing work, man. I'm, I'm just... Uh, 
I, the words can't express my feelings for what he's doing as as a as a young brother. But you know, Elliot, um, because we have these discussions, um, and and it, and it is helpful. Um, I just and I needed to reemphasize what uh, Brother Rashawn um, laid out as someone who taking the responsibility in the community that he was raised in, and have the framework which obviously also comes from the experience from the, to be engaged. Cause a lot of times we have these discussions with some um, people like there is nothing going on. There's nobody taking leadership or, um, you know, the, the taking the fight um, on from the next generation um, that they, that only we're just talking and we're um, excluding those who are out there suffering or who don't see people doing. I mean, not only is, it, is he taking the responsibility to do the work, but we see the vision that they presented for the context that the work. Now, anybody got any questions for it? This is the time to do that, right? Yeah. It ain't somebody, and it, and it isn't centered around like you you pay me and I'll I'll set you free. This is centered around we have to build in order so that we can govern. I just find it because a lot of times if we just listen to some voices, it's like nothing is happening and we are devastated because nobody's doing anything because don't nobody know what to do. And that's part of I mean brother Rashad, sister Brianna those who, those other elders of, of in Cobra, um, in Philadelphia, um, they have demonstrated by continuing the work. There's people out here giving life energy, you know, and it's important. It ain't, and it ain't just talk. Yeah. That, doing. That's why I mentioned in the beginning, you know, when Rashawn put the, you know, put on paper there that it's 11 different states, 11 or 12, Richard, that uh, it's either legislation pending or something moving forward in the state in reference to reparations. And just like he stated, Richard, all of this is coming from the grassroots. They might be forcing certain legislators to push it for them, but the impetus of it is coming from the grassroots communities. What I like about um, this is the, the the conscientious consideration that you have to build up those people who will hold those positions before you go to the position. So you already have the cadre of people who are trained and you heard all the areas that he, in those that areas of work, who will be able to deal with being on a commission, who will be able to be able to manage the financing to, to be able to be a part of the oversight that these people are being developed, will be developed to do that. You can't expect the people who is, you know, what they say, you, you can't expect the fox to guard the, the, the hen house. Which is, you know, it's just, and it ain't, and, and he, he recognized it ain't going to be easy, even amongst his generation. That's real talk. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it's important. Before we leave tonight, uh, let me give the lineup of time for an awakening media, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives. 
always with host brother Oshi. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Always interesting dialogue and conversation on African perspectives. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, later on that evening, May to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Wahid Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. And from 9 to 10, the first and third Mondays of the month. And they've been on hiatus now for a little while, but uh, you can see the work is still going on. First and third Mondays of the month, conversation reparations. That's in COBRA, the Nationals program from uh, 9 to 10 on Monday evenings. On Tuesday night, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program um, from the West Georgia Cooperative from 9 to 10, uh, from 8 to 9, I'm sorry, and from 9 to 10, uh, Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad. On Fridays, Time for Awakening is back from 8 until, and on Saturday, the elders of Sankofa with Brother Afonso Watkins. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. Are you watching your children playing after school?
Children. To save the children.